I said, hey, ladies and fellas, if you're listening. As a woman of color, it is so hard to find lipsticks and glosses that really pop on my beautiful brown skin. Y'all know what I'm talking about? When the lipstick is giving lackluster instead of Lil Mama, okay? (laughs) Well, I discovered the most radiant, saturated, and pigmented lipsticks for richer complexions, and I found them at the Lip Bar. The Lip Bar is a black woman-owned and led beauty brand that focuses on providing effortless beauty options for all women, but especially women like us with highly melanated skin. Oh, and did I forget to mention that all Lip Bar products are vegan and cruelty-free? Get into it, friends. Make sure you click the link in the show notes to receive 10% off your first or next order of beauty products at the Lip Bar. Hashtag, you're welcome. It wasn't the man that I was attracted to. Most of my little boyfriends were high-key my best friends at the time. Mm. like for real for real I'm I I would start relationships with oh by the way so I find women attractive but you don't have to worry about that because I've never done anything with a woman but I'm gonna let you know that like I do find women attractive um but like as long as we can hoop we can play video games you and I can do some fantasy football my dude like I'm down and the dudes loved it right and now you're listening to the sugar-free podcast Welcome to the tea party, friends. Now tell me, girl, how you like your tea. You know it's sugar-free. Now tell me, girl, how you like your tea. Up in here, we like it sugar-free. Come through, stop by, get up with me. With your girl sitting back, I'm a little crazy. Ooh, right here with me. It's where you want to be. Let's get it Hey friends, and welcome to another episode of the Sugar Free Podcast, the life advice podcast for millennial women with me, your girl, Sid Mac, your homegirl in your head. And we're here for episode five of season four of the Sugar Free Podcast. Oh, does it feel like episode five? It feels like it for me. It does definitely feel like it for me. I I want y'all to tap in in the comments and let me know how y'all are feeling about this bi-weekly cadence that we have established for the show in season four. Like, are you feeling like we're talking enough? Do you feel like you're getting enough of me in your lives? I really want to know, friends. I really want to know. So that we can, you know, both make sure that we're getting what we need out of this relationship. Right? Now not promising that if you say you need more of me you're gonna get more of me because y'all know I'm living my best life in the streets and so the streets got me in a chokehold right now so I don't know if I can commit to giving more of myself to you at this time but I'll take your words under advisement okay all right so let's get into this episode so this week we sat down with the incomparable attorney Kim Daly okay so I listen I don't know if I can say this but I, I'll have a secret like girl crush on an attorney Kim Daly and so 
girl crush, right? And so that was one of the reasons why I invited her to, to do this episode. I have been following her on social media for a while. I love the content that she puts out. Um, very positive, sexually positive, and, you know, very inclusive. And so I wanted to invite her to the show to talk about a topic that I don't think people talk about enough. And that is making the decision to explore your sexual identity in your 30s or your 30s, your 40s, or, you know, 50s, any any time that's not teenage 20s, right? Because I think people expect you to experiment in your 20s and in your teens. I think it becomes less acceptable, kind of, you know, to start making these explorations later in life. But at 35, I'm, you're not dead yet. <laughs> you got a lot of life to live. At 45, 55, you're not dead yet. You got a lot of life left to live. And if you've decided that that life for you should include more than just heterosexual love, relationships, um, sexual interactions, whatever that looks like for you, I'm here to say, friends, that it's never too late. Okay, it's never too late to do that exploration. And so Attorney Daly is going to, to speak with us about that. She's going to talk to us about her journey, about exploring and having finding the courage to explore her sexual identity later in life and the freedom and the, the fullness that she has come to experience as a result of that journey. And so hopefully you guys take something away from that. And if you are feeling like there's some exploring out there for you to do, hopefully this gives you some tips on maybe how to go about that and some initial steps you can take and just some inspiration to, to remind yourself that we in our 30s, we're not dead yet. Okay. Live. Okay. Live. All right. All right. I am so incredibly excited to have today's guest here, Miss Kim Daly. Welcome, Kim. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I am grateful and honored to be here. Thank you. All right. All right, listeners. So you know that I always end every intro with tell us about who you are and what you do. But today we're switching it up a little bit because we are getting an education today. We are learning. And so I feel like in order for us to get the full benefit of the discussion today, we got a level set, which y'all know is a staple on the show, but we got a level set. We need to define a few terms and uh, establish a solid framework for the conversation for those who may or may not be as familiar. And so I definitely am on team. It's not my job to educate you. You can educate yourself. But for the sake and the purpose of being able to have this conversation, I'm willing to take a no man or woman left behind approach and we'll just define a few things. And so if there's a few things outside of the couple of terms we're going to define that you don't understand that you don't know, you're going to have to press pause and do some self-education. <laughs> I support that. Yes, but for the purpose of this conversation, there are at least a few high level things that we should start out with. So to get us started, I think it's important for us to at least have a high level understanding of like what LBG, excuse me, <laughs> I totally 
<laughs> LGBTQIA plus stands for um, Kim. Can you enlighten yes. us? All right. Lesbians. That is who I am and how I identify. So we come first. Okay. <laughs> and then it's G for gay, B for bisexual, T for trans, Q for queer, LGBTQI intersex, A asexual, plus meaning if there is some other non-heteronormative category under which you fall, then you count in the plus. The plus is growing, the plus is changing, the plus is inclusive. It's just, if you're not 100% straight and you're none of those other initials, come on in with the plus. We got you. All right. I feel that. So I have I have a couple of follow-up questions about that. All right. First, in my own self-education, I read that some, or yeah, that some women who are attracted to other women, they may still identify as being gay. And so I just was wondering if there was any difference between a gay woman and a lesbian. So it's interesting. The word gay. So I say that I'm gay all the time. Um, the word gay has traditionally been used to identify men who are attracted to and have relations with other men. But because the word gay was such kind of like a, a Band-Aid, if you will, the Xerox, the overarching term for queer people, we just let it ride. And so while like I'm technically a lesbian, bro, I'm gay, right? I'm gay because I don't like men. So <laughs> wonderful, I'm gay. <laughs> I, feel, I have one more question about the terminology. Mm-hmm. So over time, the lgbtqia plus acronym has evolved i remember a time when it was just lgbt and then lgbtq and so if the plus is an option like what was the rationale behind expanding to all those extra letters versus just saying lgbt plus or lgbtq plus like why keep expanding if the plus is kind of that catch-all all-inclusive element I truthfully can't answer that question, right? Like I'm I'm not the one that came up with the, the name hierarchy. I think it just got to a point where, because for example, there's a prompt, there's a, a common, common identity, which is pansexual. And that mm-hmm. is, I like people and I don't care what their gender is and I don't care what their gender identity is. I just, I like people. The, pansexual is a huge community, but there's not a P in there for them. I think that as we grow as a society further away from how we've been indoctrinated to believe, you know, one man, one woman, all of that nonsense, more things come. And my guess is that one day somebody was like, all right, y'all, listen, we can't we can't change the flag another time. You know, we got to have something that stays. So if you got in by the time we got the A, congratulations. If you didn't, I promise we're not leaving you out. But we don't, we, it, it can't be the, if it's the whole alphabet, then it's not an acronym. It's the, it's the whole alphabet. You know, that was kind of like my thought about it is that it's gotten so long that, you know, in terms of naming things, I like a good catchy name. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's gone beyond catchy. <laughs> and, so, and so there's different ways, right? So the, the catchy name is the queer community or the lesbian, okay. like queer is all of us. Queer is a okay. catchy term 
for absolutely everything. And there's people from different generations who view the term queer very differently. When I was younger, I was born in 89, right? So I'm not an old head, I'm 33, gang, gang. But when I was younger, I understood the word queer to be an insult. And that's, you know, just growing up in the church when they used it was nothing pretty about the word. Uh, but now that I'm older and I'm actually part of this community, we're queer, right? That's the that's the the overarching term. And so, you know, I don't I don't identify as a member of the LGBTQIA community like on paper, because why would I do that? I'm a lawyer, word economy. I'm a lesbian. Or if you want to expand it, I'm a member of the queer community. And so, you know, to the extent that these titles exist, they're not some like you don't walk up to somebody and be like, hey, girl, so you were L or you were B. Like, that's just not that's not how it works. <laughs> um, and so I think that the that the LGBTQIA plus. I don't know, maybe it's a, a reporting tactic. I, I don't know, but it's not it's not something like we don't we don't text each other like, oh, as part of the it's just a very formal thing. Yeah, I feel like there are those elements to every kind of subculture because, you know, amongst black people, like we don't walk around calling each other African-American. Like that's not exactly. something, you know what I mean? Like, exactly. That's, that's not something exactly. we do in our everyday lives or use in our everyday vernacular. But it's something that people from outside of the community feel more comfortable using as a word to describe us because they view it as being less. Controversial, yeah, less casual, yeah, same, yeah. Same. yeah. So, as a member outside of the community, would it still be taken um, respectfully if I referred to the community as queer? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, it's it's everything. Everything is the energy behind the word, right? It's not like it's not like we're dealing with the N word, where if you're outside of the community and you use the <laughs> word, regardless of your energy, you deserve to get beat the hell up. So, it's not that. Um, okay, but the okay, word okay. queer can still be used as a pejorative in the wrong hands. But in general, now this is in general, you might find someone who is queer, who is, you know, they grew up in the 60s and 70s where that was a fighting word and they still see it as a fighting word. I don't see that in my generation, but I can't speak for older generations. Gotcha. Okay. Thanks for clearing that up. I feel like it's similar for the the B word. You know, like I, I mean, be like, "Hey, bitch!" You know what I mean exactly. to my friend. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. But if somebody on the street comes up, I didn't plan on fighting on a Monday, but since you started it, I'm gonna finish. <laughs> they chose violence. Hey, so did I. But I, we do not. Don't play with me. But we do not advocate violence on the Sugar Free Podcast. Um, this is all for jokes and fun. At least on my part, I don't know about you. <laughs> We're, you know, as an attorney, I can say that self-defense is not necessarily as liberal of a defense as you would want it to be. So act accordingly. Amen. Amen. Okay, just a couple of more things. So I don't know if I told you this, but when I was in law school, I actually did my research on transgender athletes. And so uh, that's kind of how a couple of these last defining terms came to my mind as being important because I discovered this through my research, that there is a difference between gender identity and gender orientation. And so 
would you mind breaking that down for us? Because I feel like people use it in everyday conversation in a way that's usually incorrect mm-hmm. <laughs> and don't realize mm-hmm. that there is a difference mm-hmm. between your gender orientation and gender mm-hmm. identity. Absolutely. So I think an easy way to kind of understand that is when you're talking about gender identity, you're talking about that person existing in a vacuum, even if there were no other people, how would that person identify? I.e., do they identify as a man? Do they identify as a woman? Do they identify as non-binary? Binary being, oh, there's two genders, man and woman, and I don't identify in either one of those. Therefore, I am outside or non-binary. That is your gender identity. That is whether, you know, your outward expression to the world fits into what we would call a man by visual looking or what we would call a woman by visual looking. That and you and your gender identity is not necessarily related to your sexual orientation, right? If I identify as a man, for example, regardless of whether or not I was assigned male at birth, If I'm a 30-year-old person and I identify as a man and I like women, that makes me straight, right? And so I'm part of the queer community in that I'm trans, but I like women. I like people of the opposite gender than me, and that is what we would call straight. So then that goes into the sexual orientation, oriented out outside of me. What is my gender? And do I like people of this same gender, of the opposite gender, of any gender? That is my sexual orientation is who am I attracted to outside myself? And then for the people who identify as asexual, my sexual orientation is asexual. I don't, I'm not attracted to people sexually, period. Mm, That's unfortunate. I think it's not, it's not necessarily <laughs> unfortunate. Like if their if their needs are being met by themselves, then what's the problem? Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's, you know, as, as long as it works for you mm-hmm. as an individual. So like, I appreciate that definition because I think it's going to come in handy as we get into the weeds of this conversation. Like I'm gonna need y'all to be taking notes. I need y'all to write this down because these words are going to come up again. <laughs> So the last one that I wanted to talk about, especially because today we are talking about exploring your sexual orientation in your 30s. And so I feel like this is one is important for us to really delve into, which is the difference between sexual and romantic attraction. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know if you want to kind of explain what the difference is. So I do, I do, and I don't know if this is the way the podcast works, but I want to know from you, what do you think that the difference is? Well, I'm going to give a, a real clinical, you know, just through my research, but it's just a sexual attraction may be, for example, an attraction that you have to someone more so in just a purely like lustful type sense like you're interested in maybe the only the sexual parts of the interaction not necessarily a full-blown romantic relationship right because we can separate 
sex from a relationship. And so I see the sexual attraction component as being just the act of having sex or some type of sexual relation or relationship or interaction or intimacy with another individual. And then the romantic attraction as focusing more on the relationship and the partnership aspect of it. Um, and I, and I think that distinction is important because, um, do you watch Pose? I do not watch Pose, unfortunately. I have seen episodes of Pose, but I do not watch Pose. Okay, fine. I'll I'll use a different example, but we hear, I feel like a lot about men, especially in the black community who are down low, meaning that they have a full-blown marriage with a woman. They have chosen a partnership, a life, uh, you know, with a woman, but they apparently have some type of sexual attraction to other men and are engaging in sexual interactions with these men, not necessarily engaging in full-blown relationship, but having some type of sexual relationship with men, even though they have chosen to build and live a life to have a relationship with a woman. So that's kind of like how I distinguish between it, but let me know. So, if, yeah, you, you're definitely not far off. I think okay. that it's very difficult to come to actual like natural understandings of what these are, especially when you're dealing with the situation of someone basically being in the closet. Right. We don't know. We don't know who they're romantically attracted to because they've not given themselves the freedom to explore that. And so, you know, at the the whole you know i'm sexually attracted to to this type of person but romantically attract, attracted to this other type of person most of the time when i hear that i don't hear it from a person who is like a sexually open and free person and so it's difficult to really understand is that the truth or is that the only thing that you've ever had the opportunity to explore without shame Without shame, precisely. And so, because it takes a lot, it does not take a lot to text somebody and say, what you doing at 11? Bang, bang, boogie, bye. That that does not take a lot. But it does take a lot for you to text somebody and say, what you doing at 11? Well, before you leave, I'd like to hear about your day. And I actually want to see you again. And if you're not busy tomorrow at two, maybe I can take you on a date. And then we can come back to my place. And then talk about our days or just hang out, right? With the situation that you've given with a man who's married to a woman, he doesn't have that opportunity. How are you going to date? Like, how are you going to do that? How are you going to be out in public with this person? Mm-hmm. And so on the one hand, I'll say from my own experience, I've never been sexually attracted to men. And mm-hmm. I spent 28 years of my life in relationship with men. Wow. Absolutely. And so for me, it was like, I didn't have no problem holding hands. I didn't have no problem. I love you. I have no problem cooking dinner. Because as it turns out, like, I love love. And that's my thing. But you don't see me out here in these streets identifying as bisexual. Okay? Because I'm not. I made the most with the options I had. And I think a lot of people make the most with the options that they have until the barriers to those options are removed. 
Okay. This was such a great, a great segue. So please, please tell, like, I, I need, I need to hear your journey. Cause I, <laughs> I feel like this, this is going to be the, the most powerful part of this episode. So you just mentioned that you spent the majority of your life in relationship with men. And so can you st- take us from the beginning? Like, when did you start having relationships with men and and why did you enter into them? Like what was holding you back from maybe exploring the way that you want to like give, give us the origin story. Origin story. All right. So spoiler alert. What is the number one thing that keeps people, particularly black people in America from exploring their sexual orientation? Ta-da the church religion. This is sin. You're going to hell. It's not God's order. You can't do this. You have to pray this away. You have to suppress that. And so here comes me, right? Born in 1989 into a very Black Baptist church family, going to church every Sunday, liking church and wanting to do right in the eyes of God. And so the more innocent times came in elementary school where I grew up a tomboy. I did not identify with anything that a girl was meant to identify. My name is Kim. All right. Everybody be like, oh, the pink Power Ranger. Bro, I don't like the color pink. I do now because I've grown up. But as a child, pink was like girly, 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 girly. And nothing about me, even as a child, before I understood any of this, resonated with the things that like girls are supposed to like. I like basketball. I like race cars. I like football. I will fight you if I have to. Uh, Like I don't, don't give me a doll. The doll can't talk to me. The doll can't make me a better athlete. Like what am I doing with these things? And so that's how I grew up in elementary school. Now, again, having been told my entire life that like relationships are for boys and girls or for men and women, I didn't give myself the option as a kid of like, oh, like this is my little crush. Da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. No, it's did I have boy crushes? I can't remember them. Mm-hmm. If I did, it was like, do you want to go play basketball? Oh, you want to hold my hand? OK, why not? Like it feels good to have your hand held, period. Now, when I was in the sixth grade, the that was the first time in my life that I ever experienced sexual attraction. And when I say ever experienced sexual attraction, I mean, the first time that I was like, wait a minute, is there a button down there? What what does that mean? I was 12 when that first happened. And that happened when I was in the presence of a woman that I, or a girl, she was my age, um, that I proceeded to crush on for more than the next decade. Wow. And so imagine me, I'm in sixth grade. I have these feelings that I somehow sort out like this is probably like this is the stuff they'd be doing in movies like this and that is probably related. So that means that I like girls. Okay, no problem. Listen, I was most Bible verses read. I went to a private evangelical Christian school. I told my parents, like, I am going to get baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, because this uh, mm. secular society not going to take me, right? That was me. Mm. And so the first thing that I did when I recognized, like, oh, shoot, this might be 
you know, the homosexuality I've been hearing about was I went to the Bible with it. All right. Mm -hmm. Step one, lesbian. Go in the back of the Bible. Bet. It don't say nothing about lesbian. <laughs> Boom. I'm good. Okay. But hold on. Because it might be a synonym for it. Okay. Gay. Go to the Bible. Boom. Okay. Well, this say man and man and man and man and man and man. So like, I'm still good. <laughs> Ah, okay. I think the word like homosexual, dot, 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 go to the New Testament. Oh, hell, I'm going to hell, right? Oh. I don't want to go to hell. I, I, I know by this point, when you are raised in the Black church, there's like one thing in the world that is an unforgivable sin, and that is being gay because it is seen as an intentional departure. Everything else is seen as an accident, right? Like cussing somebody out, stealing going out on wedlock, having an affair, all of those things can be written off as accidents. They happen again and 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 again. The church does never, never qualifies those things as like a lifestyle of arrogance toward God, the way they do queerness. And so that began my journey of, okay, cool. Well, God, I can't be gay. This is sin. My first understanding of my sexual attraction was that it was wrong. Ooh. I wasn't finna go to hell. Okay. And so I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I got to high school and there were boys and the boys played basketball and the boys said they liked me and I wanted to be liked. And again, I am being told that my only option in life is to like men. So mm. I'm going to make do with what I got. I'm going to like this man. And I'm not supposed to be having sex with the man, right? That's the other part of being raised in the church is you don't have sex before marriage. And so for a while, that shielded me from the realities about my sexual orientation because I wasn't having sex with men. And then as I got older and I got in my 20s and, you know, started having sex, I hated it. I knew that I still liked women, but I really, really strongly disliked having sex with men. Wow. But I wasn't able to make sense of that because everyone is telling me, no, you are a woman. Women like men. Women do not like other women unless something is wrong with them. And Can so I ask I- you a question? Go for it. So during this whole time where you are internally trying to sort through your feelings and what you're going through, did you have anyone in your life who you felt like you could share these feelings with, or did you feel like you were going through all of this alone? I was absolutely going through all of this alone. I had a journal. I've always been a journaler. So I had a journal and honestly, I had an assignment in my sophomore year of high school in my writing class. And I could not to this day tell you what the assignment was. But apparently in the assignment, I wrote about having feelings for my best friend and not being able to pursue them because that would be sin and I would be wrong. And I'm trying to overcome this. And so my teacher at the time, you know, reviewed my writing and came and spoke to me and said, are you okay? And I said, well, what do you mean? Am I okay? I'm clearly the star student in the classroom. And she said, no, I I read what you wrote. 
And mm. that sounds really hard. Do you need someone to talk to? And I was like, ma'am, that is sin. Okay. And I don't want to entertain sin. Flee from me, Satan. Wow. I will be all right. But this is a seed that I am choosing not to water. And therefore, I cannot continue this conversation with you. So, so I have another because this this is a lot uh, for a teenager to be trying to manage because you were essentially fighting against your nature. Right. And like something that felt right and good to you, you had to continuously tell yourself was wrong. And so when did you get to a point where you were like ready to embrace that nature? And did that come with some type of ex communication or like divorcing of sorts from the church yeah so I will say the the one thing that I did growing up because like I said I had a crush on my best friend and was she straight she she was she we don't know right so like is she does she identify as straight now absolutely but the relationship that she and I had was also one that caught my parents attention and then was like oh no more sleepovers x y and z And so when we're talking about this, you know, sexually attracted versus romantically attracted, me and best friend used to hold hands. All right. Best friend had two twin beds in her room and she and I slept in one of them. Um, You know, best friend and I wrote each other love letters for Valentine's Day. And best friend and I danced the night away at her bat mitzvah, just like the two of us in the spotlight, just having the time of our lives. And so that was there. And I asked her in the eighth grade, and this is a conversation that we revisited like maybe two or three years ago. And Mm. she was like, I don't remember this happening at all. And I was like, I used to save our AOL instant messengers on a floppy disk. So if I need to find the conversation, conversation." but I asked her one day in the eighth grade over AOL instant messenger, if I could kiss her the next time I saw her. Because at that point, I was just like, look, sins can be forgiven, bro. Like, I got to <laughs> I gotta figure this out. Um, and she said, no, I don't swing that way. Mm. And I was like, that's not how I feel when you be holding my hand in the backseat of the car. But whatever, right? Like, I'm going to respect you. You can do whatever you want to. So the time came finally when I was 28 years old. And it got to the point where I've been with men, I've been dating men. I'm obviously at a point in my life where I'm ready to get married. And I realized if I continue on this path that I am on, I am dating men. If I get married, I'm literally going to step out on my husband and have an affair and be with a woman. Because at this point, it's after all of that time pushing it away, Baby, that thing was coming back 10, 15, 20, 30 times stronger. Mm. And now I'm I'm older. I have prayed every prayer that could be prayed. I have read every book that can be read. I have gone to therapy to get professional help getting this spirit up out of me. Mm. I was a Bible study leader. I was a mm. ministry leader. I wanted to be a campus minister after graduation. I had sacrificed my entire life to God. 
and God had done so many things for me. And yet and still, this gay situation, it's only getting bigger. The more mm. I pray, the more I'm gay. Something is not going right. And mm. so at that point, when I felt like I had done everything that holiness could possibly require, and that if I am going to die to myself one more day, I simply won't wake up. Okay. Mm. There was no more dying to myself that I had to give. When you say dying to yourself, what do you mean by that? I mean, the scripture that, that mm. says that we are to take up our cross and we are to die to ourselves daily and mm. take on the work of God. And that we as children of God are to be soldiers in the army of the Lord. And that mm. requires a removal from our flesh and a removal from our desires and taking our spirits and dedicating those to God without regard to our physical bodies. Mm. Oh, baby, the Bible was me and I was the Bible and I was not <laughs> going to get caught slipping. Ooh. And then once I realized that there wasn't a prayer in the world that would take this away from me and that my attempts to take it away from myself truly resulted in self-harm mm. and how can self-harm be the will of God for my life? How am I going to do anything for God if I'm no longer alive? So God. Here's what's going to happen. Mm, tell him, girl. <laughs> it is May something, okay? I have been a good Christian girl my entire life, all right? What does the scripture says? Where sin abounds, grace abounds, all the more. God, I ain't even been sinning like that. For real, for real. I ain't even been sinning like that. So I have got to have an overflow of the grace and that has got to be enough to cover me for the rest of May, all of June, and all of July, when I'm <laughs> going to go figure this out. Now, on August 1st, I give myself away. I'm coming back to you, God. I'm wow. coming back. But between now and then, it's hot girl summer, and you best not ever strike me with lightning, bro, because I've been doing right my whole life. And now I'm trying to stay alive. And so this is what we got to do. I know that's, that's right. I know that's right. Listen, listen. Okay, listen. I got we 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 gotta back up for a second because that was that was a lot. That was like so a couple. So you were in relationships with men up until you were twenty eight years old. That's only five years ago. Yeah. And so when we talk about sexual or and romantic attraction, you said that you weren't clearly sexually attracted to men because you did not enjoy the physical act of having sex with men but was there at least any satisfaction in the partnership in the relationship side of it like was any part of the relationship enjoyable is it just a sex out but that wasn't no, like yeah. I I enjoyed attention right again I'm raised in church culture Baby, getting chose is like the number one prize, right? And so, like, I enjoy having a partner. I enjoy having somebody that I can call at the end of the day. I enjoy having someone that I can cuddle with and watch TV with. I enjoy having someone that I can cook for. I, ha I enjoy having someone that I can write romantic notes for. And so the point that I'm making there is it wasn't the man that I was attracted to. Most of my little boyfriends were high key my best friends at the time. 
Ooh. Like for real, for real. I'm, I I would start relationships with, oh, by the way, so I find women attractive, but you don't have to worry about that because I've never done anything with a woman, but I'm just gonna let you know that like, I do find women attractive. Um, but like, as long as we can hoop, we can play video games. You and I can do some fantasy football, my dude. Like, I'm down. And the dudes loved it, right? Because, really? oh, yeah, like, oh, my girl, I'm playing video games. We going to the court. I'm like, no, nah, bro, we got next. They loved that. But then they were just confused when it came home and it was time for the sexy sex. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm trying to save myself. Oh. Uh, so I think that we should be doing this right now. But inevitably we would mm-hmm. because inevitably I wanted to be like, I, I, I wanted to be wanted, right? I was supposed mm-hmm. to, I was supposed to get married. I was supposed to do those things. And so I did until I went to the OBGYN and I was like, Hey, okay. I've seen people talk about sex before and um, they seem to like it, uh, enjoy it like a lot. And um, that's not my story. And so what do I have to do to enjoy the sex? OBGYN tells me, sounds like you're having a lubrication problem. Okay, just go get some some KY jelly and then do that. So I go, I get the KY jelly. We have the sex, still hate it. Not the sex. Still uncomfortable. Still like, what is this? I go back to the OBGYN. And the OBGYN is like, so how long has this been happening? Okay, so like with all of the men that you dated, just you don't have like a natural. And I'm like, yeah, like they're just moving too fast. And she's like, ah. have you ever considered the fact that you may not like men? Whoa, now, doctor. Well, first of all, <laughs> it's been less than 24 hours since I left the Lord's house. And here you are spreading that liberal agenda that it can be okay to be gay. Male, I am a Christian, all right? Let's focus on the issue at hand, which is that my vagina is broken. That's what we need to <laughs> Oh my gosh. Why did I yeah. just get a flashback to mommy Insecure? and Issa? Yeah. Broken pussy, baby. That was my anthem. I was like, it don't work. I get it, rap about it. You know what is so crazy though? That you had so much resistance to giving into your feeling of wanting to have a relationship with a woman, but you were willing to engage in sex, which is also technically you're not supposed to be doing under this super conservative, you know, um, framework for a, a life. And so it's interesting to me that you are willing to break the rule there, but not to break the rule to do the thing that you would have made you really happy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because the rule that I was breaking was a rule that was very much so accepted in church. And it's a rule that everybody else was breaking. And we're arguing under the guise of, well, we're going to get married anyway. Because one thing about it, I, I never had casual sex with men. And I don't say that to brag. I've had plenty of casual sex with women. But when I was with men, it was very much so, no, this is a committed relationship. We're going towards marriage. Obviously, whoever I'm with was always like a, a little man of God, or they called themselves that. So they're the ones that are falling consistently. And I'm just like, man, all right. So apparently everybody has this struggle. And again, I've heard so many testimonies in church of how we were unfaithful to the will of God before marriage. Okay, but God has blessed our marriage because we became obedient. 
So I was like, hey, they got the game figured out. <laughs> oh my God. This is, you are hilarious. So the other thing that I, I wanted to ask you about before we get into you exploring, getting into your three month, uh, we'll call it maybe your three, three month whole phase. Is that accurate? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Before we get to that is that, and you tell me, because I don't want to define this for you, but generally I feel like in the lesbian culture, there's like more feminine presenting, um, women and more masculine presenting women. And so from my observation, I would have guessed that you're a more masculine presenting woman. Yes or no? Yeah. <laughs> In 2022, <laughs> yes. In 2017, absolutely not. That was my question. So like, yeah. have has your presentation evolved as well? It has absolutely evolved. I, I posted on Instagram over the weekend um, a video of me wrapping my wedding vows to my wife two years ago. And mm-hmm. I was wearing four-inch stilettos at the wedding. Really? And literally people were like, I'm sorry, what? Baby, that's a, that's a process. Because in addition to being told that your sexuality and your orientation is a problem, also being a tomboy is cute until about the sixth or seventh grade when your parents realize that this is not a phase. And so you're not allowed to wear your basketball clothes to school anymore. You need to wear this pink dress. You're not allowed to wear a jersey to school. You need to wear a tank top. I literally, my senior year of high school, I went on a date with a man wearing a shirt like this, shirts coming all the way up to my neck. Mm-hmm. And I had a polo on top of it. And then I had some jeans on. And my mother was like, are you going to the library? And I was like, no, I'm going on a date. And she was like, dress like a girl. So there was so much of that that was indoctrinated within me as well. Not only were, were the behaviors that I was allowed to do, not only was that police, but also the way that I represented myself to the world was was policed. I grew up playing basketball, right? So Mm -hmm. I grew up around plenty of queer people, but also the queer people that I grew up around were masculine presenting. And so for me, like gay equals masculine presenting. Mm -hmm. And because I was not masculine presenting, then that meant that I wasn't gay. You don't know all the rules when you're growing up. And so you can just create narratives that make absolutely no sense, but it's all your brain has the room for. Yeah. And I mean, if if this is something that you're fighting against internally, like that is the, the external presentation can help you to feel like you are doing a great job of hiding. I didn't start wearing lipstick and like earrings until I was maybe 25 or 26. That was my my next level of, all right, I got to put on more femininity because it's just not present on the inside. Mm. So so I want to get to this this, this, uh, conversation you had with God. I'm going to just go ahead and have my whole face for three months and then I'm going to come back and we can revisit. So what happened during that three months And did you end up going back for a little bit before you decided that you were going to pursue this lifestyle that was more authentic full time? Like, was there some wavering or after this three months, you said, this is it for me. So here's what happened. The first month or so, super rocky. 
here I am, I'm on Bumble, I'm dating women. I had previously only dated men where we're dating for the purpose of marriage. Obviously, I can't marry you people because this is a summer of fun for me. So I got to be upfront with that. First, first few weeks, real rocky. All right. I got played by an IG model. Um, I went on a date with a girl that I thought was going well until we realized we went on the same church, went to the same church, and then just talked about like conviction and sin. Um, and then finally, I went on a date with a girl at the in like mid-July. And uh, by August 1st, at first, I was like, nah, bro, I'm needing an extension because... <laughs> I like her. <laughs> and um, so, yes, I like her. And also, I feel better than I've ever felt in my entire life. And this mm-hmm. feels more right than anything has ever felt in my entire life. So I need another 30 days, God. And by the end of August, we will negotiate it. But then, hallelujah, I went to church. I was still going to church at the time. And it was a popular little young mega church here in Houston. And I remember the pastor and I had a lot of issues with this pastor, primarily because he was a white man. And I remember struggling with, you know, I want to be a good Christian, holy girl, but also like this white man ain't finna tell me how to live my life. So there was already that, that juxtaposition there. And, um, I remember being at church one Sunday and it was the Sunday after the Charlottesville riot or you know whatever white supremacist charlottesville incident happened in august 2017 and at church that sunday this pastor got up this white man and he we had a very multi-ethnic congregation and he was one of those people that that felt like he had the credibility to kind of like joke with black people and things like that so he gets up behind the podium the the same podium that he had preached that marriage is only for a man and a woman that you know weed is the devil's lettuce that all of these this was this kind of church right and he gets up and he was like now listen i know we're a multi-ethnic church but you gotta hear me out black people it is racial reconciliation is not just the job of white people y'all have to come to the table too and y'all have to do the work to repair race relations in this country okay all right, everybody stop, okay? Now listen, I was not woke enough in life to understand that being gay was absolutely God's identity and plan for my life. But I was absolutely woke enough in life to know that this bullshit right here is not the word of God. And so I put my little Baptist church finger up (laughs) and I gathered, picked up my Bible and I walked out of that church and I never came back. Because to me, it that was a moment for me of realizing this man has been speaking with the authority of God into my life for mm. years. And now I've, I've seen who he is. That was not God speaking. Black people, no, this is literally white people's fault and white people can fix it. And oh, the other assignment, we were supposed to get up and hug somebody of the opposite race than us. And that was gonna solve oppression. And I was like, oh no, this, this man is crazy. And so I went home and one of the first things that I did when I went home was I opened up my bookshelf and I looked at all of the different books that I had read on how to be a leader, how to be a servant leader, how to live like Jesus, what it means to be a Christian, how to show grace to people. And all of these things were written by white men. 
and by white men who were fundamentally conservative and supporting Donald Trump in the moment. And that is when I realized that I have been sacrificing my life, not for God, but for white supremacy in the hands of Christianity. And I wasn't going to do that anymore. Ooh. Couldn't do it no more. I said, oh, my God. They have been lying on God this entire time. And it almost cost me my life. Mm. God, we need to have a conversation. Take the white face off. Mm. Let me see you for who you are. And let's have this conversation that is outside of this nonsense that I have been taught about what it means to be a child of God and what is possible for me in this body. Mm. Ooh, girl. Well, I'm I'm so happy that you got out of that that loop. Mm-hmm. And you know, it it gave you the confidence and the freedom that you needed to really explore who you are as a whole person, right? Like not like even outside of your sexuality, like you know what I mean? Like imagine like who is pouring into you is extremely important. And so who knows like what kind of things that these people may have been saying, you know, for years and years and years that Mm -hmm. just kind of by osmosis, you just start to kind of soak up. So Mm -hmm. I'm glad, I'm glad you got out girl. Mm-hmm. I'm, re- I'm mm-hmm. really glad you got out. Um, I think I, my future self all the time. I'm like, girl, you came and snatched me up out that shit. And I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> I always tell pe- people that I'm a heathen because I did not grow up in the church. And I feel like that is. So I grew up in Las Vegas, Nevada. And Vegas is just generally a very secular society. Mm-hmm. Like going to church wasn't necessarily part of the culture or community for a lot of the people that I knew. It wasn't like we had a a large Mormon community. And so for them, they went, but we were just like, Oh, you know, the Mormons, they're going to go to church. But uh, Mm -hmm. most of my friends, like it, it just wasn't something that we did. And so all of these, these things that I've learned about religion, I've learned more so as an adult because I now live in Georgia and in the South, but yeah, girl, I grew up, Not that I didn't know who he was, you know, like we got baptized and all that, but going to church definitely just like wasn't a thing. And I feel like now that I'm an adult, like I feel like I have a relationship with God, but I've been able to define it for myself on my own terms and what that looks like, because I've never had the intervention of a pastor or a church. And, and, and now like, I'm, I'm super grateful for that. And so I'm, I'm not judgmental of anyone and how they find the religion or how they come to their spirituality, but I'm glad that you have found and come to a place in your spiritual journey where you're able to live and be who you want to be. Like if if you was able to do that to church, I'd be like, good for you, girl. But if it ain't there, like we got to get it how we live. Right. 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 Yeah. So the other thing that I wanted to go back to, because this is like we I wanted to do like some debunking of some myths and some life advice, but we're going to have to weave it in throughout our story because, girl, we have we are already 45 minutes in. Can you believe it? (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to have to mash it up. So the one thing you said when you first started deciding that you wanted to explore women was that you got on Bumble. Right. And so a question that I have, like if I am a woman 
Cause I have been curious before, right. About like what, what's, what's, what's on the other side of that door. Like I've, I've had curiosities before, right. Like how do you even like approach a woman or what do you say? Like, uh, I know that gay men often call their sixth sense of being able to tell whether another man is gay or straight as gaydar. Like, is there something similar for like being a lesbian? Like you just know, and I'm just gonna like, and then once you, once you know, you just be like, Hey, girl, like what, 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 how does that go? <laughs> so, so again, like, like it's, it's always difficult. I didn't know that my wife liked women when I first met her. I was like, oh, girl, you like girls? She, okay. I didn't know. Mm. Um, but for me, right. I'm a mask presenting woman. And so everywhere I go, it's like, gay, <laughs> gay. Hello, this girl's gay. And so that that builds an energy sphere around me where people feel comfortable coming and speaking to me because I'm obviously giving out feelers that I like women um, or at the very least that I am not pressed about these men in these streets. <laughs> and I think for, for that's a good place to be, girl. Well, baby, freedom. OK. Oh, hallelujah. Now, uh, for more feminine presenting women, obviously, that's more difficult. Um, you can go out in public and you can find people who look like me. And that's kind of like a pretty clear indicator. But what I found to be the easiest thing is to go to places where queer people are. And unfortunately, those options are not unfortunately, it just is what it is, right? Queer spaces online, whether that be online dating, which is something that I highly recommend against at all times, if you are looking for a life-giving, fruitful relationship. Now, if you are looking for someone to spend time with for the next seven days, no faster way to do it than to open an app. Um, but if you're looking for something serious in life, I would never recommend dating apps. That's a whole nother conversation. Um, and then, you know, the the gay, the bars, the the clubs, the 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 brunches, the things like that. Um, that didn't work too well for me because I was just like, what am I supposed to do? Walk up to her and say something? That's weird. That's weird. <laughs> But now, like literally now, I'm at the point where like, and again, okay, I'm I'm married, right? All of this is with the consent yes. of my wife. But if I find somebody attractive, I'm just going to be like, I don't know how long it's been since a stranger on the street has told you that you are an absolute baddie. But if you ain't heard it today, let me go ahead and be the one to let you know, sis, you are working that head wrap. Okay. <laughs> That's what I'm, that's it, that's it, that's it, that's it. And so, and it's like black women compliment each other anyway. Mm -hmm. But that, then it's a question of like, oh, what's going on? Oh, what does this mean? Ah, you got to figure it out. And that's just the reality. Ooh. All right. All right. We we going to circle back around to that later. But we I want to get finished with your story. So you went through your phase, your... You got God gave you a 30 day extension. <laughs> and then I was like, and no, the, the little white guy gave me a 30 day extension. And then I was like, this is the dumbest shit in the world. I'm going to be who I am. Period. Now, let me put my lawyer brain on and figure out who lied to me and what scripture and what doctrine and what year and what translation at what church. And let me go knock all of them out. Because them are the people I need to fight. I don't got to fight God. God, I thought we was going to have to box. And I was just going to hope you were going to play fair. But as it turns out, I ain't got to fight you. I got to fight these niggas lying on you. That's who I'm fighting. 
well, we ain't even got to fight them. We just got to let them go, right? Like we. No, I got to fight them. I got to fight them because there's so many <laughs> little me's that are absolutely trapped underneath their nonsense. Mm. And so they have to be destroyed. Mm. Absolutely destroyed. Toxic theology kills people, Ooh. kills lives, kills dreams. And I am not about it. And I will fight Mortal Kombat to the end, if this is the hill that I literally die on, then put my name on that motherfucker because I'm coming after them. All right. All right. We actually, and we have a mutual friend that I told you about mm -hmm. who was on the show and she had a similar philosophy and she was talking to us about uh, navigating heartbreak and how she had a similar divorcing with the church as she went through her actual marital divorce um, because it was the negative and toxic ideologies that she had been indoctrinated with in the church that kept her in this cycle of toxicity in her marriage. Mm -hmm. And so like that, that seems very similar to what you're talking about here. Like breaking it's the, down. It's the same yeah. strains that are at play that, that tell women that their plot in life is to be with a man, period. And that if anything happens after you have married that man, and you don't like it, well, now it's sin for you to leave that man. Bro, bro, for real? For real? Nah, bro. You, that, that kills people. I mean, literally, yeah. domestic violence kills people. And a lot of times women don't leave abusive relationships. There's a lot of reasons. A lot of times it's, it's unsafe to leave abusive relationships. But domestic violence and a woman believing that it's God's intent for her to sit and endure, because physical abuse is not... It's not a, a reason for divorce that the Bible gives. So a lot of women truly are tricked into believing that they have to shrink themselves to fit under a man's hand because that is the will of God. So this is a very serious problem that we have. And it's a problem that we have that is rooted in belief in faith over fact, which makes it incredibly difficult to uproot or change because it's like talking to, for example, a Trump supporter and giving them facts when they don't operate in facts. They operate in fear and what they have faith in based on that fear. Mm. So who is Kim Daly today? From a religious standpoint, from a sexual identity standpoint, a presentation, like this is normally the question we start with, but I feel like this is a great place to end the story. Like, who are you today? My name is Kim Daly. Yes. In the words of Bishop Yvette Flunder, I am a same gender loving woman because that is the will of God for my life. Mm. I am a child of God. I walk around with the imprint of God on my face, in my lungs, in the words that I speak, and wherever I am is therefore a holy place. I love people and I love freedom. And I believe that it is for freedom that Christ has set us free, as Galatians says. And it is my life's mission to bring thy kingdom come, thy will be done for folks that God did not make straight. I am a lawyer. I am a dog mom. I think it might be news to you that I also got bars and I be rapping. Hey. Hey. hey, listen, don't come for me. <laughs> All right. Um, and I love sharing my story. I'm a storyteller. 
Um, yes. And I am a, a light giver. That's who I am. And there's nothing that can be done to change those things about me because those things are gift, gifts from God that I don't have the power to interrupt, destroy, minimize, or otherwise take away from. And so I live my life according to the breath that I have in my lungs by doing right by people with the talents that I have in my hands and my mind. And I am on a ride to live my life to fruition. And I believe that every step that I take in that direction will bring glory to God. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I love that. So with that, we have come to the end of our interview and it has been such a fantastic conversation. I feel like we need to be like real life friends, Kim. Yes, FYI, I don't answer the phone. I don't answer texts. I don't respond to DMs. And you literally just have to find me. Oh, then so. we'll be perfect friends. Okay, great. Great. It's like when I see you, it's going to be amazing. But when I it don't will. see you, I'm not going to see you. That's okay. That's okay. Because I'm going to find you. It's okay. Mm -hmm. I'm going to find you. So the last thing you got to do is you got to give us some advice. So for other women who may be out there, struggling to find themselves as it relates to their sexual orientation, especially in their 20s and 30s, because I think that there's this idea that once you hit a certain age, exploration time should be over. And that's not just for, you know, sexual orientation, identity, it's careers, everything. Like once you hit your 30s, like you should have it all figured out. And that's just 100% not true. And research suggests that people are still actively finding themselves in their sexuality well into their 30s and 40s. And so for women who are out there who are in their 30s, potentially their 40s or late 20s, who are still trying to find themselves um, and explore their sexual orientation, what advice do you have for them? Number one, I need them to know they're not alone, right? And so one of the things that I do in my mission to make the, king, the kingdom of God come for people that God didn't make straight is I have a community called The Culture. The Culture, literally, I have women in their 50s, their mid to late 50s, who were like, yo, uh, so I was married to this man for the last 35 years. Um, I got an 18-year-old and I got a 25-year-old. And I finally realized that none of that was authentic to me. Um, this is not who I am. And I'm moving forward and I'm dating women for the first time and I'm figuring it out. Literally, there are people in their 50s, probably in their 60s or 70s, I just haven't met them, who are still figuring it out. And it makes sense that we're still figuring it out. So many of us have gone on life paths in one way or another, whether that's career, whether that's dating, whether that's get married, buy a house, settle down, have kids. Oh, shoot, my kid is five. And as it turns out, I don't like kids, right? All of those things are valid because so many of us made so many major decisions without a healthy understanding of who we were mm. or operating under a set of facts and a set of circumstances that we no longer believe to be true. And so I just invite you to give yourself the space and the grace and the freedom to be like, I really, truly might not be as straight as I always thought that I was. And you don't have to question it. You don't, well, why didn't I? Okay, well, at 17, LaToya told me she thought I was pretty, but I didn't like, because you didn't like LaToya. That's why, you know, not like, oh, I had a chance to be gay and I didn't take it. So now I'm straight. No, 
no, life is not the linear equation that we were all told that it is. And so if we allow ourselves to understand that present and now is the only time that matters and presently and now, I think that I might have an attraction toward this woman. There's no reason, as long as that woman is an adult, but there's no reason to, to not have the freedom to explore and investigate that. And you owe it to yourself. And so give yourself grace. You know, some of us knew when we were 12 and hit it till we were 28. Some of us didn't know until we were 35. And it's like, wow, am I gay? Am I bisexual? I identified as bisexual for like a year and a half after coming out because I thought I had to. I was like, well, I was with men and I was supposed to like men. But no, let me tell you what confirmed that I was a lesbian. I was with women for like a year. And then I was like, hmm, do I still like men? Let me go. Now that I'm sexually liberated, let me go figure. Oh, nope. Don't like it. I'm a lesbian. Thank you. Put your shirt back on. Goodbye. <laughs> That literally happened. Yeah, I, I promise you. I was like, I'm sorry. Can you put your shirt back on and go? Yeah. It was it was a flat chest with hair on it. I was like, nah, bro, this is not what I like. I know what I like now, and this ain't it. Hey, I ain't mad. Listen, give him his walking papers. He'll be all right. Yes, thank you so much for dinner. Goodbye. <laughs> he will be all right. You'll be all right. So where can we find you? If we want to connect with you, if we want to continue the conversation with you, if we want to join the culture, where are you at? KimDaily.com. Uh, Instagram, I am Kim Daily. TikTok, I am Kim Daily. And I'm going to let you know right now, you should follow me on both because I post more of my personal life on Instagram and then, you know, your normal TikTok trends and things like that on TikTok. So those are the best ways to find me. And if you're interested in the culture, um, you can get there from kimdaily.com or you can go to www.theculture. That's culture with a Q because we're queer. Uh, Q-U-L-T-U-R-E.com or .us, excuse me. And that'll you give there. you information. There we go. That'll give you information <laughs> in our community and how to join. And I had saw the the culture written with the Q and I didn't even put the two together, but I see what you did there. I tried. And I'm going to put all this information in the show notes. So if you missed it, you can check out the show notes. You can click the links directly. And so one last thing before we let you go, just quick. Let's do it. Yes, we have to get into our sugar-free quickies. So the sugar-free quickies is a series of either or questions and you have to choose either or. You cannot choose both or none. Okay. All right. So quick. First thing comes to your mind. Who is your fave? Beyonce or Rihanna? Beyonce. All right, all right. When you want to have some fun, you go into a nice dinner or a night at the club. I'm never going to the club. Take me to dinner. Damn. All right, I can get with that too. Who would you rather shadow for a day? P. Diddy or Michelle Obama? Would anybody choose Diddy over Michelle Obama? It's Michelle Obama for me. <laughs> I don't know. It's a t that would be a tough one for me because I'm a I'm a Diddy stand like. Wow. Wow. Okay. okay. <laughs> but I love Michelle. Read yeah. her book. Love Michelle. But I just feel like Diddy is just would be so much fun. Like we would just, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's just okay. Fun. Okay. I'm gonna let you have that. <laughs> Last one. Would you rather have money or power? Money is power. So uh, if you have power, then money doesn't matter. And if you have money, then you have power. 
But right now, baby, I get my power from God. Give me the green and let's go. Boom. Same. Boom. Money all day. Money all day. Yeah, like money buys me peace. Power don't buy you peace. Okay, but money does. So goodbye. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much again for joining us. This was truly an amazing, amazing episode, a topic that we have just touched the surface on. So hopefully we can have you back and have some additional conversations. I'm so grateful to you for sharing with us your story with honesty, courage, and an amazing amount of vulnerability. That is what we encourage 100% on the Sugar Free Podcast. No sugar coating, no front end flexing or sutting allowed. So thank you for coming and walking in your truth and using that truth to be a light to other women. And so I was really interested in having this conversation today because I know if I've been curious before, I'm not the only one. And so I also want to say this now, look here, y'all. If you ever see me out here in the streets holding hands with a fine woman, just mind your business. Mind your business. Mind your business and know that I'm living my best life. And if I see any of y'all out here doing the same thing, I'm going to give you the same courtesy, friend. You're welcome. So (laughs) thanks so much again for tuning in this week. Be sure to check back in next week for another great episode, Real Talk, and of course, plenty of the most exquisite tea that's 100% sugar-free. Woo chow. Mm Mm-hmm. What a show. We shared some good old tea today, didn't we, friend? Thank you for your presence. I truly enjoyed you at the tea party. And we appreciate you sipping on some sugar-free tea with me, your host, Sid Mack. Until next time, be sure to connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Sugar Free Podcast or at Sugar Free Pod. You can also visit our website at www.sugarfreepodcast.com. See you again soon, friends. And be sure to keep the tea party going, a with plenty of tea that's 100% sugar-free. Tired of piecing your business forms together from an internet search? Tired of sealing all your business deals with a pinky promise? Looking for a way to add some formality and professionalism to your business relationships? Then you need Formally. Formally is a DIY legal form and template shop for entrepreneurs, small business owners, creatives, freelancers, dreamers, and side hustlers. All Formally forms and templates are drafted by an experienced licensed business attorney and reviewed by a law professor. So, not to brag or anything, but our forms are pretty legit. So what are you waiting for? Throw those pinky promises away and try formally today.